another thrill-packed episode of Superman Movie Minute, the show that scrutinizes, analyzes, and you'll believe a man can flies, 1978 Superman the Movie, five minutes at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Franklin, and joining me on this journey through time and space is... Rob Kelly. Hey, Rob, how you doing? I'm doing all right, although I am really concerned about the missile that's headed towards Hackensack, because uh, <laughs> I'm only like two hours away from Hackensack, so uh, that's, that's not going to be good for me. <laughs> yeah, I think our buddy John Trumbull's in more immediate danger, but yeah, you're <laughs> it's still not looking good for you. <laughs> we we asked him to come back to the show, but I, all I just hear is some sort of irradiated high-pitched whine when I contact him on Skype, <laughs> so I don't know what happened. <laughs> well, as we as we uh as we uh, worry about Hackensack, I also have to make one prediction about this episode. Um, I think, and, and, and you can you can uh, weigh in on this. I think this episode will see more downloads of Super Tramp's greatest hits than before. <laughs> <laughs> and it is interesting that they work that like the, the, the movie Superman. The movie doesn't have a lot of like contemporary references off the top of my head, except for that. Like that's so weird that they stuck that song. Uh, it, it really sort of I don't want to say it dates it because that's really negative, but you immediately think the seventies when you hear that that song coming over Lois's uh, Lois's radio. Well, you know that song still gets quite a bit of airplay today. So I I guess it isn't. I mean I when and whenever I hear it. I always think of Superman the movie. I kind of think if, <laughs> if Superman the movie had a music from and inspired by additional soundtrack, <laughs> then Super Tramps Give a Little Bit would be the, the hit single from it. You know, I, I so, wonder if it had something to do with the band name. I don't know. I, I think it's, that's exactly what it happened to do. <laughs> I, I think that's the only. But it kind of makes sense, you know, with what's going to happen with Superman and Lois. You know, so. I you know it, it 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 works out. I like I actually really like that song anyway. So I mean it it, it works out. I just I just had I, I've always I've always wanted to do and somebody if 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 the Firewater Network has told us anything, we put the idea out there. People will do it. That's I don't true. have the time to do it or the skills. So somebody make a video <laughs> of Super Tramps give a little bit with footage from Superman the movie. There okay. Okay. We're putting it, that out there. Put it out there. Somebody do it. I don't have the time. I, I could possibly do it. I do Adobe Premiere videos at work and stuff, but I just don't have time to do it. So somebody do it for me, please. Okay. There you go. <laughs> but now enough about Super Tramp. Uh, <laughs> we're talking about Superman, not Super Tramp. Uh, this time out, Rob and I are discussing minutes 116 through 120, taking us past the two-hour mark in the movie. Uh, this segment begins as Superman finishes his promise to Miss Tessmacher and then sinks into Lex's pool with the kryptonite around his neck. And it ends with the Man of Steel trying to rebuild the San Andreas Fault underground. So obviously a lot happens in this segment. <laughs> As, uh, this is the one scene that I think for people who – well, we talked about earlier the um, can you read my mind thing. is like That tends to be the moment where some people – slightly younger people uh, tune out of this movie because that scene is just so kind of like alien to what anything they're familiar with. But in terms of Superman fans, I would say this moment is the, the, the only criticism this movie ever receives in that Superman does not save himself. Miss Tessmacher saves him. And that does rankle some people the wrong way that Superman should have found a way to save himself. It's never bothered me because it's Superman's inherent goodness that, that it gets Miss Tessmacher to save him. But I do understand the criticism that, it, it, you know, Superman doesn't find a way to get himself out of his own jam. It's Miss Tessmacher is the one that does it for him. Yeah, and, and I, I agree with what you just said. That's the way I look at it, is that 
Superman's greatest superpower is not super strength, flight, heat vision, even super ventriloquism. It's his. <laughs> no, don't go, don't go crazy, Chris. Now, come on. super, super forgetful kiss. Uh, let's That's not get into that. Yeah, but it's his power to inspire. I mean, that's Superman's greatest power. And, I mean, obviously, his inherent goodness, as you said, has inspired Miss Tessmacher. Also, her love for her mother, obviously, right, uh, as, has inspired Miss Tessmacher to literally take the leap uh, into the pool to help Superman. I mean, Miss Tessmacher, uh, you know, takes her shoes off, which I always, when I was a kid, I always thought that was so silly when you'd see somebody in danger in a movie and somebody would take the time to take their shoes off before they dropped into a pool, mm -hmm. the ocean, a river. But, you know, now I understand, well, they don't want to sink, you know. So, yeah, I mean, exactly. it's, But as a kid, I didn't get that because I never jumped in a pool with my shoes on as a kid. <laughs> so, so maybe, those are, maybe they're just really expensive heels that Miss Tessmacher has on. She doesn't want to ruin them. Well, she does dress very nice, and she looks very fetching in her white outfit. Uh, you know, Very which, nice outfit, yes. Yeah, which, you know, I mean, I'm going to just say it here. I'm a straight male. I appreciate her in the wet outfit in the pool. So, you know, uh, <laughs> in the white outfit. She looks pool. she looks nice throughout this movie. I can't think of any outfit Miss Tessmacher wears where she doesn't look great. Right. And her wearing the white is kind of, you know, she's, you know, when we first met her, she was in that black outfit with mm -hmm. the cigarette holder. Mm -hmm. Now she's in this white virginal outfit and she's ch switched sides to help Superman, you know? Uh, so that's a little symbolism there for you. Uh, so she jumps in, uh, she pulls Superman over the side of the pool, uh, but she hesitates before she takes off the kryptonite chain <laughs> and she kisses him. <laughs> Sorry, Superman. I know you're in terrible agony, but just hold up for 10 more seconds while I can sneak in a kiss. Like, oh, okay. All right. I guess so. <laughs> And did you notice, have you ever caught when uh, Valerie Perrine takes off the, the chain, she about rips Chris Reeves' ear off when she's doing it? I mean, she catches his ear in the chain and she's pulling it off. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't notice that. And now that you've said it, yeah, she does kind of, she has to kind of like really wrestle it over his head a little. Thank, yeah. God, thank God that that prop is not, I'm sure it's it's plastic and it's coated yeah. to look like metal. So it probably didn't hurt. But boy, if that, yeah, if that was a metal chain and that hit you in the ear, you'd be like, oh, that hurt. Jesus, <laughs> Tessmacher. Yeah, it's 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 Reeves' commitment to the role that he doesn't like. Ah, you yes. know that's <laughs> good actor, good actor, that guy. She she's a good shot too because she throws it over her head, which is pretty hard to do. She's tiny, and then it lands, goes right down the sewer, which is like I for this is just my nerd thing in me. But like when I see the kryptonite go down the sewer, I think of that crystal from the Challenge of the Super Friends episode that kills all the Super Friends, and then they chuck it down the sewer. That's always what I think about. I don't know why. I was going to ask you if you thought of oh, Patrick. there we go. Picked it up. <laughs> Perfect. That's, that's immediately why I hear that Super Friends music when it plays. We won't yeah. need this anymore. And if Luther throws it away. <laughs> exactly. And, and then Apache Chief has his, you know, sewer cleanup service. That's right. Yes. On the side. And he, you know, he, he gets a bazooka and shoots it into space. So I guess that's what <laughs> happened to this kryptonite, you know. <laughs> oh, that episode's so good. <laughs> Hashtag deadly noxium, you know, so. Uh, <laughs> Super Friends, rest in peace is that episode, I believe. Oh, man. Oh, it's so I good, love that episode. I love that. <laughs> shattered, shattered my young mind. as sure as did, As evidenced in our discussion on Saturday Morning Fever, episode one. So. Yeah. Oh, good plug. Good plug. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, of course, he asks her why, you know, why did you kiss me first? And she utters that 
that uh, you know, she said, "Well, I didn't think you'd let me later." And then, and then she asked him her famous question, "Why can't I get it on with the good guys?" <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I you've, you've just apparently drawn to megalomaniacal, you know, subterranean dwelling. <laughs> it's, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's because you enjoy watching guys like Otis get beat up. That's why, Miss Tessmacher, you gotta gotta do some inward work and figure that one out. Maybe you can get with. A good guy like Superman. Have you not? Am I crazy, or are the boots that Superman is wearing in the scene not the right boots? Because like they're mm-hmm. they're they're not they're not pointed at the middle. They these look like his other boots because they're in a, they're in a V they're in a uh, not a reverse V shape. Actually, his normal boots are in a reverse V shape, but here they're in a V shape, and I think those are like the old boots. Those are the ones he's wearing on the cover to the Treasury edition that we covered, but they're not the regular standard Superman boots. So I wonder if this. You know, this is one of those scenes where everything's. We know this film, movie was filmed way out of order. Um, right. But I have to think that that's maybe this is maybe early on, and they didn't have the boots totally ironed out or whatever. But but yeah, when his leg is popping up out of the water, I'm like, those aren't the right. That's not the Superman boot. It's a little weird. Yeah, they seem a bit taller too. They're a bit taller up on. Yeah, they're like they're right almost, under his knee. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe yeah, it might be. It might be a. Uh, there might have been a costuming change. You know, like yep. we said, he. It's interesting, too, because he looks, like we said in the last episode, he looks a little thinner in these scenes uh, than he does. And a lot of the next sequence was shot at the very end of the of the production, even after some of the scenes from a movie that we won't mention. Uh, because <laughs> I'm not, I, All right. Let, go ahead and mention it all you want, Chris. I am not I am not my podcast co-host keeper. So go okay. Nuts. Well, I'm just saying, you know, in the production, uh, in, in, you know, in Superman 2, obviously, we're, and this is just a joke, guys. We're just playing around. But, <laughs> uh, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, they, you know, famously, they were shooting both films, and then they decided, oh, no, <clears throat> we better get one movie done first, because they were, the movie was originally supposed to come out in the summer of 78. Well, they couldn't get it done in time for that, so now it was Christmas of 78 that it was coming out. And they you know, basically took the ending that they were going to use for Superman two and made it the end of Superman one. So some of the scenes you see here that we're going to see, uh, in just a few short minutes in this segment were probably filmed at the very tail end of filming. And then Christopher Reeve is really filled out really well. And, you know, uh, but it, it, yeah, this movie, I mean, there's, there's probably scenes, within a couple of minutes of each other, which were almost shot like two years apart. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> just, I, I can't, amazing. I'm trying to imagine like what that's, that's somebody's job. You know, like I think it's not a continuity person. That's a different person. Uh, mm-hmm. And they even talk about that on the commentary, the commentary, but there's somebody who has to keep track of all this stuff. And that just seems like such a Herculean task to, you know, when you think about every single scene in a movie has to be tracked of like, okay, this cut in and this has to be put here. It just seems uh, amazing. I got to imagine how tough it's got to be to do that kind of movie when you have a low budget. You know, it's probably hard enough when you've got a lot of money like they did here, but it just seems uh, like, wow, that just you really have to be good at that to kind of keep all that stuff straight. Yeah, I mean, just imagine. I mean, I, I can't imagine. I can't find stuff I did like two weeks ago yeah, at work. Exactly. You know? <laughs> Did I do that? I don't even remember doing that. You know, that's like, I, so. I have an Excel spreadsheet of all the podcasts I record, what order I'm recording them in, who I'm recording them with, when it's going to air. And even I'm like, oh, my God, this is impossible to keep straight. <laughs> that's just me in a single document, for Pete's sakes. 
<laughs> yeah, true. Now you're talking about when when he gets up, um, when he says, uh, he said, "Oh, now stand aside," and he says, "I wouldn't stay here either." I wonder. I looked at that real close. I'm not sure Christopher Reeve actually spoke that line in the scene, and I think that may have been looped later because, you know, as we saw in the extended cut, there's that part where he comes back to Luthor's lair, right, right. and Miss Tessmacher is there, and she's being fed to the babies. Um, so scene. I wonder if they added, yeah, it's a great scene. I wonder if they added that line to kind of, you know, say that, oh, well, Miss Tessmacher gets away because we're not going to see what happens to her later you know that you know, now we know that miss Tessmacher's out running free which will help set up what happens in the aforementioned superman too so yeah. I, ne- I never thought about that but I, I think you're right by the way i did want to mention i love that he strokes her chin kind of yes. in a nice way i like that he gives her that moment i think that was sweet that's a nice thing of like it's like look I, you know you and i are never going to be together but i do appreciate what you've done for her. i think that's a nice little humane moment that that superman does for for her Yes, definitely. And and we get a, a rare shot of uh, Superman with his hair messed up, you know, mm-hmm. so, <laughs> with, um, excuse me, which super dries as he flies up through the through the ceiling of Luthor's lair. And you got to think about it. How many layers of of street did he had to go <laughs> with subway, then up through the street before he got up into the sky? You know? so. Once again, the Metropolis uh, Public Works Department is like constantly fixing holes that Superman is leaving and things. I love that shot of him flying right through the camera on the ground. Yes. That's a that's such a great and then it's a reverse of him popping through the ceiling. But that's a that's a great one two punch. And then I, I always worry about Miss Tessmacher. When all the debris starts falling, because she has to kind of run out of the way. Like if she gets hit by any of the any of the rocks, she's dead. Those things yeah. are heavy. Those are big pieces that that are falling into the pool. You know, and, and and it's just it's a little simple thing, but the way Christopher Reeve takes off in that scene, I mean, he's just shooting straight up in that scene. And I and I have to say, and this is not a slam against other actors who've played Superman, but you know, a lot of the other actors have used the same the same technology. Some of the same crew worked on the Superboy shows. Uh, they had the same you know the same setup and everything. And some of that stuff, you know, some of the flight stuff looks similar. But nobody, everybody looks awkward when they take off and land. It's just it never they never sell that. And with Reeve, it just looks so incredibly natural that he he kind of shifts his 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 shoulder down and then his other shoulder up and then pow, he's off. You know, Mm -hmm. he doesn't just like, you know, just float up. He, he's like, he kind of propels himself Mm -hmm. up. And then, Mm -hmm. and, and I mean, that's, uh, you know, he, he, he knows how to do a takeoff and a landing like nobody else. I mean, I, I will give George Reeves didn't have the technology that Chris had, but, uh, he could, he could, uh, you know, launch off those catapults, and swing on those bars into windows and stuff like nobody else could either. Those two guys were the best at the the takeoffs and the landings when it comes to Superman, in my opinion. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Reeves is a whole other level. I love the way he moves as Superman when he flies. I just I like that sort of bullet type thing. He just stands up, boom, and he's out the thing. And, again, it's cut really well. I love that, you know, he, he flies towards the camera just as he fills the frame. That's when they reverse the shot of him going the other direction. It's just got really beautifully composed. I love it. Yeah. Stuart Barrett, you've done it again. Good job, Stuart. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, now I will say one thing. When, when we see Superman against the, like, the, uh, the, the twilight sky in Metropolis, some of the effects right there 
aren't some of the better flying mm-hmm. effects in the movie. They look they look a little rough compared to to a lot of the other ones. It's I, I think part of it's too because like the tracking shot of Metropolis versus him aren't quite it doesn't quite look like it's syncing up right when he kind of like comes up and then turns. But that's being nitpicky, I know. But we we wax this movie's car so much. If there is a little nitpick here and there, I occasionally have to mention it. <laughs> Yeah, it's the green, like the green of the of the two pieces of film don't exactly match up. But yeah, you're right. I just I'm like, okay, it's fine. I always did wonder why Superman felt the need to bank. Like, why doesn't he just fly straight? Like, he knows where he's got to go. Why is he kind of like going this way and then turning? And I know he's doing that so we can get a nice shot of him. But it always looked funny to me. I'm like, wouldn't he just the the shortest distance between two points is a straight line, Superman? You don't need to kind of do a curve. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Superman flies off to intercept the Hackensack missile, and we have several cuts, quick cuts to Lex and Otis watching the launch, to the military scrambling to come up with some way to stop them. And we see Lois driving in the desert on an empty tank of gas, and Jimmy <laughs> is at the dam once again taking pictures. Um, she's an all-star She's an all-star reporter, but she cannot read a guest. guest. <laughs> <laughs> Which, again, just I mean, it's just like when she was – uh, talking to the Native American guy in the car, you know, like you pointed out, Lois is so hyper-focused on, you know, Lois is probably the type of person that actually came into the office half-dressed at some point. You know, oh, she yeah. was like, you know, like she was in her pajamas or, you know, or something. And like, uh, Lois, you forgot to get dressed this morning. Oh, yeah. dang it. <laughs> I mean, I didn't, I, not to give the, not to go too far afield and give this movie a no prize, but I always assume part of that is because Lois is a city dweller and a lot of, there are people who live in New York who've never driven a car in their lives because they've never had to. So Lois is, Lois is not familiar with driving around big miles, traveling big miles around. So it could be that she's just kind of like just simply not used to being in a car. That's true. Good point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and she's got Superman to fly her around now. So, you know. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Uh, so Superman catches up to the Army Hummingbird missile, and he buzzes by a few farmers that are painting a fence. <laughs> Talk about bad green screen, man. That is some. This is the worst piece of green screen in the movie. The halo around these two is like an inch thick. It is really not good. Yeah, there's some junky mats there. Yeah, it's. Oh. Uh, I, I honestly think they could have just excised that scene. Maybe so. you know. So, I think so. uh, you know that's. Uh, yeah, that's not. That's not the best. Yeah. But now, after that, we get into some really nice shots of Superman chasing the missile. Uh, I mean, it's almost like a 3D motion ride because mm-hmm. Superman's flying over the peaks and valleys. You know, the missile goes down, he goes down, they go back up together. And uh, they cut the scene out. It's in the extended cut where, uh, you know, Cliff Clavin's line about the new avoidance systems right. <laughs> comes into play because we see Superman get in front of the missile. And he's like, he's going to grab it. And it goes around him, right? So... So they cut that out. So now, but I mean, it's okay. We now we see, we can tell the missile is like literally, you know, Superman's having to sneak up behind it. Uh, and there's this really great shot of uh, a close up of Reeve, and he's he's coming toward the camera, but kind of at an angle, and he's got this super determined look on his face, and then he flies up slightly and out of the shot, and he pours on the speed, and that was used in the that 2000 2001 trailer for the re-release that never happened on the oh, big screen. Oh, wow, okay. That Michael Bailey spoke to us about. And honestly, when I first saw that trailer, for whatever reason, the way they put it in the trailer, it made me think, is that a new shot? Ooh, and then I went wow. back and watched it. I'm like, oh, no, it's not, Chris, you idiot. That's in the movie. But <laughs> it just looks so good right there. And that's just a really great shot because he looks 
like like you sucker, I'm gonna catch you. Yeah, that's <laughs> I mean, great. I, we we try to go not and, and pick on the other uh, movie Supermans because that's just you know we want to be positive, find your joy and all. But I will say, I feel like if they did this scene in a modern Superman movie, Superman would just punch through the mountains. Because that looks cool and badass. Like here, Superman fly swerves around them. He doesn't. He doesn't want to punch holes in some of uh, the world's greatest landmarks. But I think if 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 current Warner Brothers had their way, Superman would just go because it would look cool him destroying stuff. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, the poor IHOP in Smallville. You know, exactly so, yeah. right. Yeah, it's, a lot of, a lot of the, this, this Superman does care about his collateral damage that he's leaving. So. Even evil Superman eventually takes his fight into a junkyard, people, okay? I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm going into Superman 3. My God, somebody stop me. Uh, <laughs> what, what do you think about what do you think about the fact that it is kind of difficult for Superman to catch up to and and, and grab the missile? I, I mean, do you are you okay with that? I mean, as far as like, oh, Superman should be able to handle that or uh, no, I'm fine with it. I, I mean, they have to scale back his powers a little. I mean, Superman by 1978 in the comics was, like, pretty much a god. He could just do, uh, you know, I can just go back in time, you know, and now it is. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they have to scale him back a little, so it doesn't bother me. It, I mean, maybe some of the other stuff he does later, you're like, well, this is a little inconsistent. He should be, I mean, if he can go around the Earth, uh, no, no spoiler alert, uh, he should be able to catch up to a missile, but... I figure a lot of his powers are tied to his effort. You know what I mean? I mean, the average person, you and I can run a certain distance. But if, if it was an emergency, you know, you could – I mean, if you saw, uh, you know, I don't know, some, some somebody about to get hit by a car, you'd probably run faster than you would if you were just jogging because you have got that adrenaline. So I figure Superman works somewhat the same way. Yeah, I, I, a few years back I actually saw a little, like, toddler coming down a street heading toward traffic while I was oh, at the wow. park in town. And I took off running like a shot, and, a, and, a, and according to uh, some lady that was there, said, "Honey, if somebody ever tells you you can't run, you can run." Uh, <laughs> see, there you go. That's awesome. Cool. <laughs> so there you go. But uh, yeah, I, I don't have any problem with it either because I, I think you know Reeve really sells that he's really trying to catch up to this thing. They've sold that it avoids; it's got the avoidance system. And when he gets a hold of that thing, I mean, you know, and all the propulsions coming out at him, and it's blowing him back. I mean, it. It really, it really makes you know. It, it it really does sell that man. Superman's really giving it his all here, and it, and yeah, you can say some of the things he does later. Why is this so difficult for him? But you know, I mean, hey, he's, even Superman's, you know, got to give it. You know, he struggles a little bit with things here and there. Yeah, so yeah, I, I I didn't have any problem with it at all myself. But no. I have to say that because me and Cindy are you know giving Superman grief over on JLU cast when. <laughs> <laughs> laser beam he's falling over or something but you know sample I think, Superman, I think they, sample Superman dialogue from JLI it's all George Newbern got to do for like a whole year <laughs> exactly poor George but they make up for it later folks they they do we we, we swear so uh, I had to plug JLU cast there too of so course. nice uh, well done you're on you're on point this morning <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, so now we see that Lex Superman gets a hold of the missile. He's pushing it up into orbit. Alex sees the missile is going up, and he knows what's happening. Yeah. And we get one more great, 
Mr. Smuckers! You know, so there you <laughs> he did such a good job at that. But Hackman really makes that scream like painful to listen to. I mean, he even makes Superman jump, as we showed in the previous episode. It's, it, he really gets that scream out. Yeah, I mean, and, it, and the look on his face, I mean, it's almost like the whole screen scrunching up with Gene yeah. Hackman's face. I mean, it's <laughs> it's it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, of course, the Navy missile is getting ever nearer to the, the San Andreas Fault. Lois pulls into a gas station, which is like J.S. Moss, in case anybody wants that for trivia. Uh, <laughs> and she's listening to Super Tramps, give a little bit, as we said. Uh, so... Then in space, Superman pushes the missile away where it does not release the Phantom Zoners despite the original intent of the screenwriters uh, <laughs> while the Navy missile makes impact. And we see it uh, as Superman in horror looks at below. And now, I don't know if you noticed, but up to this point, John Williams had crafted some great rapid pace chase music called Chasing Missiles, I believe, on the soundtrack. I never checked the soundtrack before we do this, and I'm... Some people might be screaming at me, but I think that's the name of it. I love that that bit on the soundtrack. But now, after the missile hit, it's completely silent. There's no music. The Navy reacts. The one admiral says, my God, you know, and, and Jimmy knows something is wrong. He hears it. Uh, Superman heads back to Earth. He goes into the uh, San Andreas Fault, which is crumbling in on oh, itself. Man, I love that sequence. Yeah, that's great. And that's one thing that you can say about John Williams, as great as his music is, and as, as he, no, one like he, no one can sell a scene with music like he does, but he also knows when to get the hell out. Mm-hmm. And that's what he did. Just, he just did that here. <laughs> By the way, just to something I didn't realize until a couple of weeks ago, uh, Darlin Tracy and I did an episode of FW Presents about the Olympics. And mm-hmm. I was, I was, I was like, well, I got to open this show with the Olympic music, the Olympic fanfare. That's John Williams. I, I didn't, didn't know. I didn't know that. I'm like, good lord, is this guy? Like, what can't this guy do? He's in like every every major theme that I'm familiar with in the last 50 years. Or like, it's all John Williams. Like, this guy's amazing. But you're right. Yeah, he knows when to knows when to, to scale it back. It's per- he's just, the guy is just he's just everything. He's just everything. Yeah, I mean, it, it's he literally has written a soundtrack to our lives. Yep. I mean, <laughs> just, I mean, I was I was watching the trailer for the new uh, Lost in Space series on Netflix, and at the very end, there's that little bit of dun, 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 dun. that's John Williams. Wow. That's John Williams' Lost in Space theme, you know. So it's like, I I mean, what this guy's everywhere, and 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 I just you know, I mean, my God, and he just did Last Jedi, you know. Yep. <laughs> it's yep. like, Wow, you know, wow, just national, national treasure, John. Williams. Yes, definitely, definitely. Uh, now the earthquake begins uh, with Lois pulling away from the gas station as it explodes behind her, and she plays chicken with a bunch of falling foam poles, which has got to be just horrifying. Uh, we're now back into disaster movie territory here. So, <laughs> speaking of Lost in Space, here's some Irwin Allen, you know. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, so. What, what did you think about Superman flying through the lava and the rocks as a kid? Because it kind of blew my mind that he could fly when he wasn't in the sky when I was, when I was a little kid. I mean, did that jump out at you? Or? It's funny. I never even thought of that. No, it never occurred to me. I love this whole sequence. I think it looks flawless. I, I think it's I, – I love how everything is shot in those red and orange tones. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, when you think about that, they had to do all this practically, that they literally had to drag – Christopher Reeve threw all this stuff 
and navigate through it, and, and then I guess run it through a filter and make it look like he's underground. I, I could watch this stuff all day, and they they recreated a little bit for Superman Returns, uh, which mm-hmm. I th- which I thought was maybe even a nod necessarily, but I think it's great. I could watch this stuff all day. There's a there's a phrase that um, Roger Ebert used for some reason I never forgot this, where he was talking about Empire Strikes Back, where he talks about Hoth, and mm-hmm. he says, "You know that this is this is fake." But it's a completely realized world, and the seams don't show. And that was the the, the, the ultimate um, compliment he could give it. That you you know you know intellectually this is not a, a foreign planet that they're on, but you can't tell because the special right. effects crew and the filmmaking crew was so good. And that's what I think about when I see these underwater underwater excuse me underground scenes where I'm like, this really looks like Superman is underground and everything is like a billion degrees. It, to me, it's. It's a, it goes by really fast. We only see a couple of brief moments, but to me, it's flawless. It looks perfect, and I'm like, they made that with 1978 technology. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it is. It just it completely sells it. The weight of it. I mean, you know, these are probably all styrofoam boulders. Yep. yep but yep. but it doesn't matter. I mean, the the I think you know that's a case where uh, the sound editing is great because you can hear the rocks scraping against each other. The I mean, it's it and and as Superman goes through it, I mean, it's it's. Like you said, it's just flawlessly created. You totally sell it, and it just looks really cool. And yep. it, and, and oddly enough, it kind of calls back to how Red Krypton looked as the Red Sun, you mm. know, was causing it to break apart. So now we're kind of back. You know, Krypton died in that red disaster. Now here's Superman in this, you know, underneath uh, the ground, and you know, it's uh, so it's kind of a nice callback to the beginning of the movie too. So I never thought uh, of it, but you're right. Yeah, yeah. We we see some goat farmers fleeing out from under. A training trestle. Now, I, honestly, th- you know, based on the other stuff from the extended cut that was that was cut out of of this sequence, you know, like the Girl Scouts and the Hollywood sign and that weird sequence where the buildings are like spitting people out and <laughs> and all that stuff. Uh, it, it uh, it's kind of odd that we still get this with the the, the people and the goats running away from under the train trestle, but that was, I guess, to sell that the Amtrak train. Uh, you know, was on the tracks while this earthquake's going on, and now all these the passengers are watching the mountains around them crumble. So I guess it all works together. But it 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 you know just now that we've we've seen some of the other stuff they cut out, it just kind of was like hmm. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't look bad. It's it's fine. But based on some of the other things we saw cut out, it's it's kind of amazing that oh well this this got cut, not you know some of the other stuff. Although the Girl Scout thing was kind of weird. But yeah. <laughs> The, the scene on the the scene on the bridge where the bridge the bridge is um, swaying. Uh, I have to say I am I am one of the the most scared moments in my life where I was like literally worried for my physical safety was when many years ago I used to drive a Suzuki Samurai and I'm not sure you're familiar with that kind of car, Chris, but it's basically like a toy Jeep where yes. it, you know it, it's it's a Jeep because it's got the same structure but it's made of just much less weightier materials and it's like a car that if you were really strong you could probably just pick up and move all by yourself (laughs) and i was driving down to delaware once and it was in a really bad snowstorm and the wind was blowing and i was on a bridge it was in the delaware memorial bridge and the bridge started to sway just a little bit in the wind Uh. and my and i could feel my car when it got hit by a particularly bad gust, just kind of like jerk a little to the side. And I was absolutely terrified because I was like, this car is so light. You know, like, could I, I mean, was I, you know, could it really have been picked up by a strong wind? No, but it felt like it. 
And that that drive over the bridge was one of the most terrified I've ever been in my life. And then when I watch that when I watch the scene in the movie, that's what I think about. Because to me, being on a bridge as it is swaying has got to be one of the scariest things you ever. Because it's you're, you're there's nothing protecting you if this bridge breaks. You're gonna fall into the water. That's it, man. You're the, so this. Even though all, we're seeing all this other scary stuff, uh, the the bridge, the school bus scene on the bridge to me is always like just got it's got a little bit of a gut punch to it. Yeah, I mean, I, all of that I can't imagine. Yeah, because I I had a geo tracker, which is pretty much the same thing, oh, and it's okay. <laughs> yeah, the wind the wind was merciless on that thing, so I can't imagine being across a bridge on like that. That's oh, but yeah, we we do see the bridge, we see the Golden Gate Bridge, and uh, you know, uh, we see there's a bus on there. The bus the as it sways, the bus is kind of ping ponging around, and of course the the bus will come into play. Uh, a little bit later on in the movie outside of these five minutes. But, uh, you know, we leave this scene uh, with the Amtrak passengers look, looking up, the mountains crumbling around them, as I said, and then we cut back to Superman underground very briefly as he's trying to rebuild the fault. And like I said, man, a lot happened in these five minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now we are, we, are, we are knee-deep in the climax. We are now in the climax of this movie, you know. Uh, we're in the one of the big the big finish here, and uh, it's uh, it's very very exciting. I'm I'm very I, I mean, this is uh, the whole movie's great, but you know when you get in these scenes, it's just rapid pace, and there's so much happen. There's so much Superman. There's so many great effects, and uh, it's it, and it's it's just amazing, especially considering that some of this was done quite last minute <laughs> that they that they pulled that they pulled this off like they did. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, this is the movie delivers what probably most people were coming for, which is these big action sequences. I mean, I love it. You love it. I love all the other stuff too. But this is, you know, the movie's finally really letting it, you know, letting it rip with the with the action. I mean, it's showing you something no comic book movie. Well, there were hardly any, ever any comic book movies anyway. But nevertheless, it's showing you something you've basically never seen before: is, is superhero action done like you would see in a comic book. Nowadays, we're used to it. We're like, oh yeah, big deal. You know, <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy, that's fine. But back then, it was still a big deal, so and it's it's done flawlessly. Right, I mean, before, you know, I mean, you know, and then this is not throwing off on uh, any of the previous, uh, you know, shows or anything, which we all, uh, you know, love to one degree or another, but, you know, uh, George Reeves' biggest threat was, you know, uh, gangsters, usually, of the week, or, you know, occasionally there was the asteroid coming to Earth, but it couldn't be fully realized this way, and now... Now it can, you know, mm-hmm. and, and through a lot of hard work and effort and a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of in a lot of practical effects, as you said, all practical effects. And that's that's even really that's even really more amazing now. And I mean, I'm not I'm not slogging off on CGI movies as long as they're done well. I don't you know, I, I have no problem with it. I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, we should all go back to just practical effects alone and all this stuff. No, because I mean, it's it's opened up even more doors to us. But. The fact that they pulled all this off with the technology that they had then, it's like, man, there's some really super talented, crafty people, yeah, <laughs> you know, un- working, in, working in industry. It's it's great. It's yeah. great. So we got anything else to say about these five minutes? Uh, no, I think I'm, I'm, I'm good. Like I said, I will, we will, I will be sorry that the, that's the last we see of Miss Tessmacher, that we don't get the scene of him rescuing her. I think that's the one deleted scene in the three-hour cut, which we talked about in the mailbag episode, that I wish they had left in the movie. Because I, I would like to have seen Miss Tessmacher 
you know, basically get rescued by Superman because she deserves a little bit of a better fate than, than Lex and Otis. But it's okay. We, you know, it's in my mind that's what happened. It's headcanon. We just don't, don't see it. Right. It could still happen. And I, I would have seen, liked to have seen that scene and the gauntlet scene uh, with the you know, machine gun and the fire and all that stuff as Superman comes into Lex's lair. And then the, the extended bit with uh, where Kirk Allen and Noel Neal actually have dialogue. But other than that, I'm yeah, I'm good. So, <laughs> so Rob, where can other folks find you on the on the network? Well, I'm all over the place. I co-host a bunch of shows. One with Chad, well, a couple with Chad, Fire and Water Podcast and Digest Cast. I also do Treasury Cast and Pod Dylan. And I will, by the time you hear this, uh, Mashcast will be up and running, which is when we already done our first episode. And of course, I do the Power Records Podcast with you, Chris. That sounds uh, that sounds great. Really super excited for Mashcast. I know we've got we've talked about the Superman connection last time with Ned Beatty, and I think some other people have brought up a couple other Superman the movie connections for Mash in our feedback. Yes, so, yeah, of course. I mean Jackie Cooper, of course, who plays Perry White, directed a bunch of episodes of of Mash. So yeah, I should have made that connection too. When you asked me, I just thought actors. You know, that was like my first go to. Was like, well, was there actors? And of course, there's Ned Beatty. But yes, Jackie Cooper is an even stronger connection. Uh, because, yeah, he directed it. He was a director. He was, a, much as an actor, he was a director. He directed a bunch of episodes. And, of course, Alan Alda as Hawkeye dresses as Superman in a season 11 episode. Oh, cool. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that. Yeah, so. the, the Halloween episode. He's got a red cape and a, and a paper mache uh, S, which is, uh, when we get to that episode in uh, 2036, uh, we'll notice that S is incredibly well done. For being a handmade S, it is really accurate. <laughs> all right cool i was gonna say i brought up the superboy tv show earlier jackie cooper directed a few episodes of that too so he was he was uh he was quite prolific with the he tv directing. Yeah. yeah cool so well uh well as as we discussed earlier you can find me on jlu cast with my wife cindy i do power records with rob uh, i do batman nightcast with ryan and occasionally i do a wonderful toys on fw presents and cindy and i also do supermates of course uh, so that's where you can find Rob and I on the network. Uh, we'd love for you to leave a comment on Superman the movie, and then you can tell us, you know, if anybody else was connected with Superman and MASH uh, in the comment <laughs> section. Uh, uh, and you can leave us a review in iTunes if you're so inclined. You can leave those comments on fireandwaterpodcast.com. That's our, that's our comment section. Uh, thanks, as always, to Pete the Retailer and Alex Robinson for welcoming us into the Movie by Minute family and allowing us to use their format. Be sure to check out all the great movie shows at MoviesByMinute.com. So join our never-ending battle here next week on Superman Movie Minute. Bye. Bye. Here we go again. So much that we need to share So simple